everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. You know, for the past couple of weeks, actually four weeks, we've been doing a series called The Greatest, Why Love Matters Most, where we've been looking at the three loves that are central to our church. It's interesting. We did a four-week sermon series on the three loves. How do we do that? That math doesn't even work. But we did it because that's who we are. Anyway, the three loves, if you've been around Westgate for any amount of time, you've probably heard about the three loves ad nauseum. The three loves um, are kind of like the legs of a tripod, if you will, and I will, or perhaps the legs of a stool. You remove one and everything falls over, both as a church and as individuals. Love God, that's number one. Love one another, that's number two. And love your neighbor, that's number three. Actually, the order, I'm not really sure matters, but um, that's the three that we have. Love God, love one another, and love your neighbor. Now, if I were to ask you, if I were to ask you out there in loyal listener land, which one of these three loves actually tends to be the most difficult for you? Or which one of these is most difficult for you right now in this season? Now, I don't know what you'd say. We haven't done a poll on this. But in years past, this is before COVID, we polled people, and the number one thing by far was love your neighbor. I think it's because in the Bay Area, there aren't a whole lot of people who are Christian. There's not a whole lot of people that go to church. So if God is the most important thing to you and somebody else says, yeah, I think God's pretty stupid and people that believe in God are dumb. Well, that that hurts. That's alienating. It's kind of like in junior high when you're like, oh man, I love this band. And then somebody else is like, yeah, they suck. And you're like, no, 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 they don't. They're awesome. And you should reconsider. Um, that happened to me all the time. I was... I was more of a new edition guy, and in a world of Guns N' Roses, that didn't go over very well. And it, it uh, you know, it was an unpopular opinion. It's okay. It's okay. The wounds heal. The wounds heal. Anyway, the point is, when somebody has a different opinion of you, and somebody is your neighbor, and they don't share some of the most deeply held beliefs that you have, that can be really difficult. That can feel alienated. In fact, they can feel less like a stranger and more like an enemy, especially in today's social media world, where we try and tend to demonize one another and, and view people who are different than us and see things differently than us as, as not just strangers, but enemies. So... That's where we are today. And so, love your neighbor. That's what we're talking about today. I've got Jay Kim here in the studio. And we're not just going to talk theology and highfalutin, like, theory. Oh, no, no, no. We're actually going to get practical on what it means to practically love our neighbor. And the working definition we have is one I love. It's uh, loving someone means you connect with them and you work for their good. So we're going to talk about practical ways that you can do that. Connect with your neighbor. And uh, I think that's really important. And so we'll talk about the neuroscience behind it. We're going to talk about practical ways to do it. And I think, I think you're going to find it interesting. Anyway, with that, let's just dive right in. Jay, what's going on? Not much, man. So I wanted Hanging to talk um, about a memory I have. Oh. And I'm pretty sure the memory I have, you won't have. Okay. Because of the unique, there's like a, a two or three year age gap difference where yes. I probably have, begin to have some memories. Yeah. It was the, f- we're talking this week about love your neighbor. Yes. So it's this kind of big sweeping concept. And it was the first time I ever encountered the idea of loving your neighbor. Okay. And it, I I know this is going to sound cheesy. It profoundly affected me. Oh. So it's 1985. Okay. I'm little. Yeah. And a song comes out Uh to raise money for people across the world in Ethiopia, where they were in the middle of a two or three year famine. Yeah. From 83 to 85, there was a, a devastating famine. The problem with it is it wasn't just natural causes, it was also man-made. The mm. government had relocated some, um, it's, it's Ethiopia, so that's tribal. Okay. One tribe got power, the other tribe had all the farmland. I this, see. Tri- this tribe took yeah. these people, put them yeah. in like, in essence, relocation camps. Yep. The farming, they didn't have the know-how. They they tried to make it collectivist as a government. It didn't work. Then a famine hit. You know, then the bad weather yeah. hit, the drought hit. Yeah. And now famine. 1.2 million people killed. Jeez. Die. Yeah. Um, it, and and what, what killed might be a, a more accurate yeah. word because yeah. it, it could have been avoided. Or at least a lot of the suffering could have been avoided. The U.S. and the U.N. and all these um, 
organizations come and these group of artists come together and, yeah. and they record. Do you know the song I'm talking about? Is it We Are The World? It is We Are The World. We are the world. So, we, we are, are the, the children. children. We are the world. We are the world. We are the children. That's so. all. We are the ones that make a better day. So let's start giving. Uh, do, 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 ba da ba da ba. So let's start giving. <laughs> It's amazing. Let me read you the lyrics. I, uh, there comes a time yeah. when we heed a certain call that the world must come together as one. There are people dying. It's time to lend a hand to there life. There are people dying. <laughs> it's time to lend a hand to life, the greatest gift of all. And then we can't go on pretending day by day that someone somewhere will soon make a change. Yeah. We are all a part of God's great big family. And the truth, you know, love is all we need. We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones who make a brighter day, so let's start giving. There's a choice we're making. It's saving our own lives. It's true we'll make a better day, just you and me. Mm. Now, I, I don't know about the religious overtones. I see it all over the place in there. It really does feel as though this was a sentiment toward responsibility toward your neighbor. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of it. And of course, it sells 20 million copies. It raises tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, but that was the first time, I think, the idea that we as humans have a responsibility toward. Yeah. Like a, a moral mandate toward our neighbor. Right. That's the first time I ever heard that. And um, I thought it was really, even today, it's like deeply moving to me because um, the sentiments in there, like. Um, right. Right. It's saving our own lives. I love that line because it's basically saying we actually become more human when we care about our neighbor. So yeah. from a giant theological standpoint, we're talking macro. We're going to get into the micro here, personal. Um, does When you hear like Jesus talk about love, love your neighbor as yourself, it, it, when you think about love your neighbor, do you think that big? Is, is that where your mind goes? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see uh, the macro and the micro as oppositional in any way. I'm not sure where my mind goes. I guess, I guess when I think about Jesus's invitation, as he quotes the Shema, mm -hmm. "Love your neighbor as yourself." Um, or I'm sorry, he's not quoting the Shema. He's He's uh, redefining redefining the Shema, right, and adding the Leviticus text. And um, I guess if I had to say, I guess my brain works like it begins micro and expands out to. Oh, the macro. so it starts kind of very yeah personal. If you're just asking me, like personally, I think the where I feel most conviction when I am reminded of that command is that I need to to extend love to those within the ripple effect of my life, you know, which is a phrase we use during the teaching Right. that a neighbor is anyone within the ripple ripple effect of your life. And I guess that's where I feel my, uh, not my only conviction, but my initial sense of conviction I is see. okay. Who, who are the people in the ripple effect of my life? And am I really extending love in their direction? Well, it, 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 but it's also yeah. global. Yeah. And well, I mean, think about Westgate. I mean, there are systems in place that we have put to try to care for our our global neighbor. You went through a couple of them. Everything from wells, where we raised almost four hundred thousand last year and gave it to yeah. wells. Yep. That's a form of loving your neighbor. Yeah. Because it's seeking their good. Um, what makes it a little hard, I suppose, is the sense that a lot of those folks will never actually meet face to face. Sure. So there's not a whole lot of connection, but somebody will. We're giving the money to an organization that to is a local church. To a local yeah. church. Yeah. So um, we're actually empowering the local church to care, care yeah. well for that. Yeah. So we're connected even if we can't be everywhere at one place. Right. Um, there's also all sorts of local and global stuff that we try to do. Yeah. Um, and not everyone in the church can connect with everyone overseas and all of our missionaries, right. but we send teams that do Yes, and Kayvon and Finney are, and yeah. their teams are. So it's like, not everyone can be connected to everybody, right? but we're trying really hard to, and the definition of love that we've been working through that I really love 
is that we work, you know, love always seeks to connect and it seeks and wills the good of the other. Yeah. And not everyone in the church can connect, but right. seeking the good, uh, um, any dollar that's given to Westgate in some way supports our global neighbor. Yeah. And those across the globe. Yep. Even people will never meet. Yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, you know, we at least seek connection. Right. You know, I think it is a, is a, it's a form of connection to share the stories of what are, um, our, our local and global compassion efforts, you know, the sort of difference it's making in the world. They're, they're a form of seeking connection and yeah, every human being is limited in terms of the depth uh, of connection you can make because you're limited to geography and your, your sort of city and neighborhood and home and, you know, um, and as long as we are continuing to grow into a sort of people who, who do seek connection, uh, in the ways that are made available to us, then certainly it, it, it shouldn't negate the call to, extend love on a global scale just because we can't physically yeah. geographically be near. Yeah. You know, I think the we're, we're called to love our global neighbors in as much as we can. Well, and sometimes that's yeah. to rally together as a church family and say, you know what? 65 cities around the world, there are hundreds of thousands of people who need clean drinking water. Sure. They're not, physically living in my neighborhood but if we can do something about that mm -hmm. then let's do something about that and well paul paul even does this he goes to a church in macedonia which is far away from jerusalem where there's a famine and they're never they're probably never going to meet most of the people in that church in macedonia right. never they're never going to be able to travel all that way yeah and paul's like hey there is a, a famine and your brothers and sisters are suffering yes and i'm not going to tell you to give yeah i just i just know what you're going to do you guys are you guys are awesome but I do want you to consider how poor Christ became for your sake. Yeah. And then out of that, give, and yeah. I'll take it back to them. Yeah. So he is modeling care for, well, is that care for the neighbor? Because those are technically in the family of God. Because it's, uh, you know what I mean? I don't, yeah. I mean, those are technicalities. Yeah. But, but yeah. caring for those who are, are, are across. Yeah. yeah yep. Those in need. Um, so there's, there is a, a model for that. Okay. So let me, let me zoom back. Cause I think you're right. There is a danger um, of, um, zooming out too far, I think in some ways. Uh, and I think social media has made this really a lot easier to zoom out maybe too far. Yeah. Like all the needs of the world. Like for example, in 1985, we just couldn't get news from everywhere. Right. Um, but when those images started flooding across the television screens on nightly news, yeah. Americans were deeply moved by the starvation. Right. Now that seems like we can get pictures because of social media and images and, and, and videos from endless suffering across the globe yeah so it's a that's a little little different uh and there's yeah. a da danger i remember when i was um in my early 20s uh i went down to nashville and there was a pastor there called scotty smith mm -hmm. and i went to this church in nashville a, a friend of mine had taken me to it and he said there's a real danger in sitting in a church and saying my church does really good things to love its neighbor yeah he's like this is not a call for a church this is a call for every individual. We just happen to be a collection of individuals. Yeah. So sometimes what it can be is my church does really great things for its neighbor. And that doesn't eschew your respons responsibility personally to be a person who is moving toward loving um, your neighbor. And I remember that that deeply hit me because yeah. I had kind of farmed out. Oh, I'm part of a church. I'm part of a, I'm part of a thing. And that personal responsibility kind of came back. And that's when right. I began saying, what am I living my life for that precipitated me becoming a teacher, be going teach for yeah. America, moving out to yeah. California, all that stuff because of that kind of mandate. Yeah. So let's talk about the personal implications. Cause it does, that does seem to be where Jesus lives. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time has global impact, of course. Yeah. Cause, so, but so when so, somebody unpacks that, do you think, how do you think about that? That kind of person? Cause you said it, it, it actually, you first think about, your personal responsibility. Right. So, and then it kind of echoes out, ripples out from there. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, how do you think about that? Um, or how do you help people think about that? The, the idea? Yeah. I mean, if to love is to will the good of the other and to seek connection, then it, it's a, that's a very helpful paradigm for me 
to ask that question of my relationships with, again, everybody and anybody within the ripple effect of my life. So, um, you know, the, the easy way to think about it is like my literal neighbors, you know, on my actual street. Am I, do I will their good in some practical, tangible way? Do I make myself available when they need help with little things, you know, and big things? Um, am I seeking connection? I mean, that's a, that's a very, you know, we don't really have a front yard culture in the Silicon Valley. We don't, we have a very backyard culture, you know, meaning you go home and maybe you wave hello to the neighbor if they're outside or something. But even that's pretty rare because people's schedules are so different. And, um, it's very easy to think about our homes as, you know, these sort of respites from, humans (laughs) humans <laughs> it's like in the busyness uh, and craziness of life right yeah, yeah yeah it's my place where i can recharge yeah but it turns into a weird privatism yeah very private and uh so to will good and to seek connection is to make myself available you know so uh my wife and i have thought thought and talked about this for a long time and we've we've really tried we don't do it well all the time but we've really tried to cultivate a front yard culture in our neighborhood you know, just starting with our family. And it's, it's been a really beautiful thing. You know, we, we also have the great fortune of uh, our literal next door neighbors. There are not very many little kids on our street, except the only other, um, there are basically two houses on our street, uh, us and two other houses that have little kids, our kids ages. Mm -hmm. One of them happens to be our literal next door neighbors. So, uh, Ed and shy and their children and our kids, uh, front yard culture they they come out on most days um and we'll play in, in the front yard and it's really fun watching them you know we'll clear out the cars from our driveways and park on the street so that the kids can you know ride their bikes and they'll hop back and forth between our two lawns and um play games and so what it's done over time is uh cultivated a sort of familial connection with our neighbors where there are um, really beautiful sort of assumptions made of one another in terms of, oh, if you, you know, left your garbage bins out or something, it's like, I oh, just pull them in. You know, it's tiny little things. Yeah. That Looking I, out for, caring for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not just our next door neighbors. We have, we've watched God sort of cultivate a real, um, you know, love your neighbor type of, vibe on our street with several neighbors and that's been you know that's been a real joy but it it it's always intentional it's cultivated intentionally well the word connection it's like seeking connection it's just easy just to go in your house yeah you know what really helps with this Hmm. i know a dog oh yeah do you know why you're always walking around. Right, right. So and it really has helped. Having and then Jack-Jack, if other people have... Having dog, Jack-Jack has yeah. really, really helped us yeah. get to know our neighbors pretty well. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty cool because you're always... You're walking it two times a day. Right. In, in the morning and in the evening. Right. Um, And that helped. We also... Uh, our neighbors had a 4th of July kind of barbecue and yeah, invited all the, all, the, yeah. all the folks. Uh, it just happened to be way too hot. But it, <laughs> but there it was, it was an embarrassing because there's people underneath a tent in their backyard. I was like... I, I've never seen you before. Yeah, <laughs> like right. I don't. I've never. You live four doors down. I I've never seen you. Yeah, I don't know who you are. Yeah. So I'm introducing myself, and I've lived in this house for like 15 years or yeah. 18 years. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's a little embarrassing that I. But that's what they were trying to show that, like it's been 18 years and you don't even know right. these people's right. names. And yeah. that, and that's that you can have a connection if you don't know somebody's name. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yep. Uh, or their story or a little bit what's going on. But out of that came really neat stuff. Yeah. Um, another, can I tell you another hand? Yeah. Another, uh, here's a tip. This is going to sound backwards. Asking a neighbor for help in a small way, mm-hmm. not a big ass, like help me move. That's, that's too much. <laughs> but like our, our neighbor had a um, pressure washer. Yeah. And he was pressure washing his driveway. And we yeah. have this Japanese plum tree. It's wonderful. But in the end of July, it dumps all this messy, messy fruit on the yeah. sidewalk. Yeah. People can't walk on it. And so we're constantly cleaning it up and it stains everything. It's yeah. awful. I, I love it, but I, we got to figure that out. Yeah. So if you know an arborist that can help me figure it out out yeah. there, listeners, I don't know what to do. So I went to Keith, his name's Keith, and I said, hey, can I borrow your power washer? And for some reason, his 
um, he, you know, he's like, sure, absolutely. I go, I got to clean my sidewalk. Yeah. It's this and that. Him helping me actually made him bond to me right. more and it opened up a dialogue. So right. me, now if I asked him for help every day, that would be too much. Yeah. But then what happened after that is later on, he came over and he's, he was doing something and I helped him. And then we were going to, they're walking their dog and, um, the, 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 his wife was like, Hey, I, you know, I know that you're. You, Justice and Dave are driving to Texas to drop off Justice at Baylor. Do you need a ride to the airport? Yeah. So she she took Nicole to the airport. So all of a sudden it became like this kind of thing. Yeah. Where we can actually begin talking about right. this and that and that and this. Yeah. And um, shout out to you, Keith. Yeah, boy, he's a thanks for the power washer, Keith. You know, if your name is Keith. Yes. You you definitely have a power washer. Yeah. Yeah. You know and, it's, mean? and it's not there's a not a Keith in America that doesn't own a power washer. <laughs> you think Keith Hernandez also has a power washer? You kidding me? I dude? guarantee it. I guarantee it. <laughs> what about um, Keith Urban? A hundred percent. So if you're a Keith out there and you don't have a power washer, I suppose they, they're on sale right now. You, sh- you should go buy one at your local hardware store. Um, okay. Um, can I talk about one more thing? Yeah. Brain science. Oh. Yeah. To quote Rihanna, <laughs> love on the brain. Must be love on the brain. That's got me feeling this way. What, is that a Rihanna line? Oh, yeah. That's, That's a, a song. That's a Rihanna song. Oh, the title of, her, of the song? One of her best. Love on the brain. Weird. Oh, it's a good song. Okay. It's, it's got vibes. The brain science stuff in our teaching came from you, from a wonderful well, book called The Other Side of church yeah by jim wilder who i i do know uh you know him personally no 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 no, no. I, I know jim wilder's work and yes i'm a big fan if you guys don't know jim wilder is a trained theologian and trained psychologist and neuroscientist and neuroscientist it's so really he's a neurotheologian so, <laughs> nice so he yeah where he lives his work is just really interesting and the this book, we Gary Brashears in our pastoral cohort when I got my master's. Shout out his, to Gary Brashears, yeah. the legend. He's a legend. He had us read this book. This book generated more conversations mm. in our cohort than probably any book. Wow. Because it was such a, a kind of a rethinking. Yeah. It, the the no, basic premise is, and again. A rethinking. <laughs> nice. So basic, the basic premise is, um, from brain science, all the information... now. When I, when I grew up, I heard about left brain and right brain. Yeah. And it meant that left brain people are more logical and they're, right. and they like math and accounting. Why are you talking like that? I don't That's know. Weird. And right brain people are like creative and they're like yeah. really bursty and they, they love color and music and, and art. And yeah. uh, that's just not the way it kind of works. Yeah. Um, the right and left brain. I mean, it, that is somewhat true. Yeah. It's not completely untrue. Yeah. It's just a gross exaggeration yeah. of how it's a simplification. work. Yeah. So they say that the right side is actually what's called the fast track. It's like unbelievably fast. And it has. It's intuitive. It's feel. It's it's individual identity, group identity, emotional attunement to the room. What's going on? Assessment of the surroundings. Is this good? Is it safe? Is it scary? Yeah. Fight or flight. Relational attachments. Who's in this room that I know? Who do I belong to? And it's very fast and it's nearly instantaneous. And then so and then the left side of the brain is conscious thought and speech and logic and problem solving and strategy and all those other kinds of things. That's algebra. Yes. Yeah. It's slow, though. Yes. It's slow. Yeah. Especially compared to the right side. So what happens is the information comes up your brainstem. Any information. Any information that you any receive. Any experience. Anything. You, you bite into an In-N-Out burger, and this is what happens. But especially as you walk into like a social setting or any social setting, yeah. all the information goes up your um, brainstem, brainstem yep. up to the right side of your brain. And then it's like a grocery store. It goes down one aisle, crosses over, and then goes down the other aisle. Yeah. And the first aisle it goes through, always... Faster than you can even consciously process it. Yeah, for every person. For every human is the right side. Yeah. It's asking the question, is this safe? It's yeah, a emotional, rela- emotional, relational, relational all that. Yeah, am I safe then, here? Then it goes belong? across the front of the brain where the amygdala is. Yeah. And, it is if, and it's asking, is there something dangerous here? Yeah. The amygdala is flight or flight. That's yes. the get out. This is a danger. And then, and then, and only then, it goes down the left side where you consciously you know, cognate, process it, process it. 
what they're basically saying is, we have a tendency to believe that Christianity is about left brain truth. It's about facts, ideas, concepts. And if we just get the concepts to people, it will change them. And by the way, you and I both clearly believe that this truth is transformative. Yeah. But what this book is showing is that what your brain is first searching for is joy and attachment. Whose face lights up when I walk in a room? Am I safe here? Do I belong? Yeah. And until that is settled, until that's true, you can't really get into the left side. Yeah. And so, and and we know this. If you've ever walked in a room where there's hostility toward you or ambivalence or disconnection, whatever, what's it matter, right? Right. Or if you meet somebody you think might have contempt for you, are you going to listen to them about what their worldview is? It's the old idiom, no one cares what you know until they know how how much much you care. care. Yeah. That's a good idiom. Well, apparently brain science backs it up. Yeah. But what this basically says is we need to be whole-brained Christianity, whole-brained Christians. Yeah. And this has implications for how we love our neighbor because if people really are searching first and foremost, before they're even consciously thinking for connection, am I safe? Am I loved? Yeah. Then we can actually offer that to people by actually caring about them. Yeah. And that will actually open the door. For all the other left brain stuff. Yeah. Talking about life, talk, all this kind of stuff. Right. So brain science actually kind of um, has real implications for how we love our neighbor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. well, it, it confirms the intuition that um, if we do not first extend uh, a very clear invitation into loving relationship, then the actual functional good we try to bring into someone's life. Maybe it won't fall on deaf ears necessarily, but it won't be nearly as effective, you know? Um, And I think this is especially true when we're talking about loving our neighbors in the micro, in the sort of contextualized reality of our everyday lives. You know, Um, we've all, I think had that experience of, uh, having someone say like, Oh man, I love you, bro. I love you. But they, their actions imply something different, you know? Um, maybe there's betrayal there or something like that. And, and it's so confusing because we're like, I thought you said you love me, but your, your actions display something else. Um, you know, you think about the really harsh reality. It's hard to talk about, but you think about like, you know, abusive relationships, um, or like cases of domestic abuse. It's the, you hear the same tragic story over and over of people, uh, who, who get, who get really sort of stuck in the cycle of domestic abuse as victims. And the reason they get stuck is because, well, no, 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 he loves me. I know he loves me. He apologized. She apologized, you know? Yeah. And, what's disconnect yeah what's happening there is like the you know the left brain speech you know there there are these words that are entering the brain but everything about the experience on which, the right side which begins on the right yeah. side tells you this is not safe it's not yeah. but you're 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 divided your logic is yeah. sort of tricking you into staying in a situation that is unloving um because you're believing, you know, and, and that's, what's so tragic about it. And so for us, you know, we don't control, uh, whether people act a particular way or not, but what we do control is, is our own actions and our own approach to others. And I think we have to, when, when it comes to loving our neighbors, we have to ask that question very honestly of ourselves. It's easy for me to say a certain thing or to even do a certain thing, but Am I, am I really truly offering to the right side of the brain a sense of safety and belonging and welcome and warmth and invitation? It reminds me of what Paul says in the opening that I think you and I both use it in First Corinthians. If, if I do all these things but don't have love, love yeah. it's, it's like meaningless. Yeah. It, it, it profits nothing. Yeah. Um, this has implications, I think, also for... Uh, our kind of modern world, uh, and I, I don't, I, and I know we've talked, you and I have talked about this offline privately, 
But I also sometimes wonder if one of the reasons why you wrote Analog Christian mm-hmm. was because of you wanted to have the embodied fruit in front of people because yeah. the internet made it so easy to have contempt or division or hate disembodied social media spaces. Yeah. Made it next to impossible to have what the transformative gospel impact. It needed to be embodied and it needed to be filled with fruit. Right. Is that part of what you were thinking even when you were or I don't I know you didn't write the book necessarily for just Westgate, but when you thought about your friends, your Christians, this and that. Was that part of the the social media age? You wanted to have more embodied fruit because you saw like what was going on in the in the social media spaces. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I think when you're talking about what Jim Wilder writes about left brain, right brain, um, the internet is such. It's not that the internet doesn't evoke feelings. It obviously does. You you're on TikTok and you watch some moving video of some you know whatever and you're like oh you're Michael crying Jordan, mostly <laughs> yeah yeah oh, there's a flute game <laughs> yeah <scored> 55. <laughs> so uh but the internet mostly is sort of a it's a it's a left brain experience because you're one you're alone typically you know and and two it's just a lot of content that you're consuming um and it can trick us into thinking well if i just know i mean we call it the information age for a reason we think that if we just have enough information that's what trans the transformed life looks like oh i know i i know this stuff you know but um it's the, not but paul writes in galatians 5 about the fruit of the spirit and uh not a single characteristic of the fruit of the spirit is knowledge or information. It's not, it has nothing to do with what you know. It has to do everything with how you live and what you embody in this life, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So yeah, that's why that's a big part of why I wrote the book. I think that we, we live in, uh, this sort of like false, we under, we live under this false assumption that if I just know the stuff, I'm good to go. Right. And uh, that's just not true. But this also has implications. It, well, it's so weird because this has, impl- I think about this in implications both at South Hills, at Saratoga. You and I were both youth pastors. Yeah. And we knew that when new kids came in, we had about four seconds. Yeah. To make sure that they felt right. deeply welcome. Yeah. And we had welcome, we, you and I both had welcome teams. We had often had students whose job it was to roam around yeah. and make sure that new students, they were the more gregarious, friendly students yeah. who were comfortable with this. Not every kid's like this. And we would task them and say, listen, use your gregarity, your yeah. gregariousness to go and, and welcome these students and make and connect with them somehow. Right. Um, and so there was all that kind of idea about connecting and, um, and, and we do that with hosts yeah. and greeters here. And we, we try really hard to, to do that. That's why a personal invitation to church matters because you, you have a friendly face with you yeah. to say, I, I, I can't wait to take you in and yeah. sit, sit next to you and, and then maybe afterwards grab some coffee or whatever. Yep. Um, so it has implications for both our church and for us in, individually. Yeah. Um, and, and how we welcome people into spaces, but also privately at home on our, on our neighborhood block. Uh, also, uh, one la- let's talk about one final thing. Let's talk about connecting language. Yeah, because um, you're so careful with your words. You're you're very intentional. I've watched. You're one of the most intentional people I've ever seen with your words. Um, and I I've seen what you do is you use words that is n- that's not. It it opens doors of communication and connects with humanity as opposed to cutting off. For example, the other day I'm driving down the road and we see these signs on 101 that say Jesus or hell. Okay. Now yeah. that is one form of communication about the gospel, right? Jesus or hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a way to do it. Yeah. And so I had conversations with the kids in my car cause we're in a carpool I'm like, Oh, let's talk about that. Is that effective? Why yeah. is it effective? What's going on there? Um, talk about using language that is open and connecting and opens the door for connection. Cause it seems like what you try to do is you try to, you try to put like five or six hooks in the water yeah. that people can grab. Like even when you teach, you're like uh, this story about my kids or nature or science, or yeah. you're trying to form human connections yeah. instead of some, cause some Christians think I need to wall off. Yeah. I need to let people know I condemn them. 
what they're doing is wrong, that right. kind of thing, or right. whatever it might be. So talk about using connection, connecting language um, as opposed to not. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. I think for me, I'm just trying to begin at ground zero anytime I'm talking about anything with anybody, meaning ground zero is Christian or not, we're all humans. And because I believe that the way of Jesus and the gospel is the answer to every problem and it's the hope of the world, um, then by implication, what I believe is we can and always should start at ground zero, the most common denominators of human struggle. And because everybody can relate to that. And then from there, we can journey to the cross. We can journey into the gospel, the good news of Jesus. The reason I believe that is, again, because I believe the gospel is the answer to every right. problem. Right. So if that is true, if I believe all that to be true, then why wouldn't I start at ground zero? I'm trying to get as many people as possible to consider Jesus anyway. So why not start at a place where as many people possible are? And that would be with the most common denominators of human life. So the way to do that is so much of it is language, you know, um, like even the word gospel, we use that word here, but we almost yeah, always attach it. it and we say, Hey, gospel is just a big fancy word that means good news. Yeah. It's the good news of Jesus who came, lived, died, was buried and rose again and ascended as the rightful King of the universe. That's all. That's what the gospel is. And, uh, you know, we try to explain things like that because again, I'm trying to start at yeah. point A, you know, where, yeah. where everybody is, um, you don't have to be a Christian, to know that it's hard to be a human yeah. <laughs> and we all have doubts and anxieties and fears and struggles and we all feel brokenness in our lives and in our world. Like that's just true for every person on the planet. So why not start there? Because that is the problem Jesus came to solve. Um, so the path we take from point A to the gospel is, you know, we try to be intentional about using language that, continues to allow as many as possible to take that journey yeah and I, I guess the other side of that is questions questions also form connection yeah um, so when you ask questions about the other person you're asking can i be invited into your world but even when you share like um the most common thing i, I think about is when people say hey what'd you do this weekend yeah you know it's possible for you to 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 say something in a way that's really um there's not an open door that shuts off conversation. Yeah. And there's also ways for you to kind of thoughtfully consider what are ways that I could like put hooks out there for, so my neighbor can attach, you know, we went out for a hike, man. I love nature. Whenever I'm in nature, man, I really feel like deeply connected, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to actually to God, you know, but, and so we're out there hiking and then, you know, we had this meal and, Oh, we got this best barbecue. I don't know if you've ever been to Winchester barbecue. It's unbelievable. We got that. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And then we came home and painted the outside of the house because, you know, it was it was kind of dingy and that's what we're doing. So that's kind of what we're doing. And now it's at home projects, barbecue, nature, a little bit of God if you're interested, but not if not. And yeah. now all of a sudden there's hooks in the water and then the neighbor can attach to anything that. Yeah. And then you say, how about you? And then the neighbor and that that's really open kind of doors. Yeah. Um, I think connecting language, just thinking about how we're opening doors to share humanity as opposed to the opposite right um which yeah. is and i i just feel like we're pretty people shut doors a lot yeah, yeah. um especially online you right. see it online yeah. all right well i mean that's just one part of what it means to, to love your neighbor so now i think the big question is two questions number one what kind of song should we write to make the world come together as one um we are the world's taken so that's that's know, so let's let's think about Gonna that i need some time and the other question is, is there a way that when you enter the room, I could communicate to you more clearly my joy in seeing you? <laughs> like, it is perhaps a dance? Yes. Uh, a movement? That's what I would um, suggest, a dance. A dance? Yeah. Okay. What Do you do you remember Perfect Strangers with Balky? Yeah, totally. And the, the, I'm so happy, cousin, we do the dance of joy. Yeah. <laughs> So 
so good. Okay, so that's nice. what we'll do. The dance yeah, of joy. Dance. From here. All right, there it is. <laughs> that's what we'll do. All right. Well, thanks for being with me, man. Thank you. And uh, hey, love your neighbor out there. Yes, it's it's gonna be great. All right. See you soon. See you guys. Bye. Just want to say thanks to J. Kim for stopping by. And remember, next week, we're starting our brand new sermon series, Matthew Season 8. We're done with the greatest. That was our four-week series on the three loves. And remember, folks, um, the three loves aren't just a part, a thing we say for a vision series. It's really is a way of life. So this year, let's make it our, our personal goal as individuals and as a church to love God with everything that we have, to love one another, to really make this church a family, and to love our neighbor to create environments so welcoming and so inclusive and so transformative because of the very power and love of God is manifest in us toward our neighbor. So let's do it this year. Let's make a kingdom impact. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Okay, so nobody asked for this. No, no one did. But I'm going to play We Are the World. And uh, I'm just going to give a little running commentary over it because I, I love that. I actually like this song more than I should. And it's kind of like a who's who of 80s all-star musical geniuses. And so, you know, I just thought it'd be fun. Uh, maybe you are a person who doesn't know anybody from the 80s and think that they are all old and dumb. Well, to which I would say greatness is never old nor dumb. Greatness stands the test of time. And this song stands the test of time. You know the you know the part that gets me? Here's there's there's here's three three observations that get me. Number one, a lot of these people do not have pretty voices, okay? Like Willie Nelson, not a great voice. Cindy Lauper, not not a classically trained singer with a beautiful voice. Bob Dylan, not a great singer. There's something earthy and like human about there. There's all manner of vocalists here. There's all sorts of different types of singers uh, from incredibly skilled blues to uh, amazing R&B singers to country to to folk to, uh, you know, all to rock to, you know, we got the lead singer of Journey in here um, to, to every man kind of uh, blue collar rock with Bruce Springsteen to like. Uh, classic Motown, Diana Ross. It's like, it's all over the map. And yet there's something about the common humanity that it all works. It all, it all, I love, I love that so much. I love that so much. Okay. The second thing I love, the second thing I love is the lyrics. Okay. So I love the lyrics of this because in this song, you see, because of the unique historical event that's happening, this famine in Ethiopia, in which these images are coming out of, of children starving to death. It's really, it's really painful images. And so it's, it's like pricking the conscience of America, which is incredibly wealthy. And in this song, you see this idea of collective responsibility for our, our, our fellow man. This is a concept you just don't see anymore. The idea that it, that idea has almost vanished in the United States. We are so self-centered and so selfish. The idea of caring for someone else because they are a human and we must, it's just incredible. For example, there's this song, in, uh, um, um, we all must lend a helping hand. We're all a part of God's great big family. There's this line that says, we can't go on pretending day by day that someone somewhere will soon make a change. Even, even the, the, the main message of the title, we are the world. It's like we are somehow all tied in a singular garment of destiny, tied inextricably. For some strange reason, I can never be what I was meant to be until you are what you are meant to be. John Donne said it famously, no man is an island entire of himself. This is this this idea has vanished from the public consciousness. I think it's not just an idea that's worth saving. I think it's a Christian idea that demands that we pay attention. So, so that's one thing. And then the third thing, I just love, uh, I just love super teams. I love it when individuals come together and make something better than the sum of their parts. And I just, I just love that. And uh, I love listening to all the different voices. Um, just. Uh, especially at the end, the way that they pair, um, like Stevie Wonder, who's this incre incredible R&B Motown singer, 
He's juxtaposed with blue-collar rocker Bruce Springsteen. Their voices could not be more different, and it's it's incredible. It's incredible. And then Ray Charles at the end. Then they kind of let James Ingram go. He's kind of like the up-and-comer who has this incredible voice, and they just like, hey, just just slay. And so he does. And uh, and then just to end with Ray Charles, this elder statesman, legendary, legendary, just goes at it. It's it's uh, it's incredible. So anyway. Anyway, again, no one asked for this. No one said you should do this. It's just me. Sometimes these are pet projects. If you don't want to listen, you can just turn it off. It's fine. But uh, maybe this will bring back nostalgia, but maybe it'll also inspire you. Anyway, here's the song. So I'll do kind of a running commentary. So here we go. intro who am I to say anything to Quincy Jones though you know here we go who's first Lionel Lionel's first hmm listen there comes a time mm. when we heed a certain call just butter when the world must come together as one that's Stevie Stevie Wonder and Lionel there are people dying Oh, That's Paul Simon from Simon and Garfunkel. To life, the greatest gift of all. We can go on. Kenny Rogers. Mm. Pretending day by day that someone, mm. someone James Ingram. Soon make a change. We all a part of Tina Turner. God's great big family. Billy Joel. You know love is all we need. Get ready, here it comes. Beyond the children. And of course Michael wants to sing with Diana, his favorite all time. So Diana Ross comes in, right? There's a choice we make We're saving our own And then Dion Warwick, I think, is next. Well, send him your heart So they know that someone cares And their lives will be Willie Nelson. Listen how weird his voice is. As God has shown us By turning stone to bread And so we all must lend a helping hand Out your row. Bruce, we are the boss. We are the one to make a brighter day. Uh, Kenny Loggins, Footloose, oh, Journey lead singer Steve Perry. Michael. Huey Lewis. Oh, Cindy Lauper. What a weird voice. I think that's Kim Carnes and Huey Lewis. Oh. Yep, yep. Dylan, Hall of Famer. What a weird voice. Just you and me, me. Key change. Uh. Uh. 
now it's gonna pick up. Here we go. Ray Charles. Legend. I have chills. Stevie. Oh, Bruce. We are the children. Listen to the way their voices just bounce off each other. Oh. Epic. If you listen closely, you can hear the Pointer Sisters in the choir. No, you can't. I'm just kidding. They are in there, though. So is Dan Aykroyd, weirdly enough. James Ingram, just going crazy. Why not end with the elder statesman Ray, huh? Why not? Why not? Uh. Ah, there it is.